Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the And so this morning I want to help, I want you to help me pray as I preach through the storm, through the storm. Father, we thank you, Lord, today for your grace. We thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you for your people that have gathered in this house today, Lord, to hear your word and your charge for this new year. God, we we come into this house, Lord, not beaten, not broken, not bruised, and not, not laid aside. But God, we look to you as people that are healed and restored and renewed and ready to conquer the things that are before us that you lay before us, God, to conquer. We thank you that, God, you are with us and you have never forsaken us and you have never left us. And God, we are standing here today testament to the fact that you are still God and you are still on the throne we thank you this morning I ask that your anointing would rest upon me as I help your people navigate through this passage and through the storms of their life in Jesus name we pray amen Acts chapter 27 beginning in verse 1 and we're going to go through verse 22 but I'm going to summarize for you this morning just for time's sake verses 1 through 12 What we find here, if you read the passage, is that Paul is a prisoner and he is being sent to Rome. And they are shipping him uh, off to Rome and he's going to stand trial before uh, Caesar. And so winter is approaching them and it is quickly becoming a dangerous time of year for them to sail. And so they're, they're a little apprehensive because the weather at this particular time of the year in the Mediterranean is very unpredictable. And so Paul warns them. Paul goes to them, but Paul's a prisoner. And he goes to the helmsman and he says, Look, this is not a good time for us to sail. I'm just telling you, trouble is ahead, and we need to winter here and not go ahead and go on. But the helmsman, the owner of the boat, they're in an urgent uh, uh, situation. They want to get to Rome and so they decide to ignore Paul's warning and they travel on. They're sailing with much difficulty right in the beginning and they're just kind of creeping their way through the Mediterranean from port to port trying to get to Rome. And so we pick up our story here in verse 13. It says, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete, But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocliden. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Now guys, don't get upset. When we talk about letting her drive, that's out of context in our scripture this morning. Hallelujah. Eurocliden just simply means winds and waves. And so this was such a storm that the sailors started calling it uh, wind and waves. And so uh, it was quite, quite a situation that they find themselves in. One of the things that I want you to understand this morning as we read the text is I want you, uh, in order to get the most out of a text, you need to try to find ways to put yourself into the text. When you're studying the scripture, one, one, one thing that will help you to make the scripture come alive in your life and make it practical and applicable to you is that if you put yourself in the text. And so I'm going to help you to insert yourself here in text this morning and kind of give you some symbolism of the scripture that we can certainly apply and find practicality of how it applies to our lives in the text. And so when you read the text to get the most out of it, you find yourself in it, the ship represents your life. 
The ship does not represent you, it represents your life. And so keep that in mind as we're journeying through this particular passage. The sea represents the environment in which you find your life. So the ship represents your life, and the sea represents the environment in which you find your life. And so you are one of the 276 people on board uh, this particular ship. There's 276 people on board. Just put yourself as one of those crewmen on board this morning and think about the ship as your life. Think about the sea as the environment in which you find your life. Verse 13 says this. It says, supposing they had obtained their desire. They, they were looking ahead and it looks like everything's going to be smooth sailing. It looks like everything is calm and it looks like everything's going to work out. Paul didn't really know what he's talking about. The helmsman's looking out and he says, look, this looks like it's going to be okay. We got ahead of winter. We got ahead of the storm. We got ahead of all this. And this is the desired traveling situation and we're taking off. And so they suppose they had obtained their desire. You know, sometimes in life things seem smooth. Sometimes in life, things seem like everything's lined up. Things are okay with me right now. Things, things are, things are going to be all right. I've got smooth sailing ahead of me for a season of time. And we get ourselves in a position and we start to kind of slack off a little bit on the things of being prepared or being, uh, being watchful, being vigilant, being prepared for what the enemy might throw at us. And so we, like the sailors here, everything seems okay. And so I start to let my guard down just a little bit. Isn't it true that oftentimes when things are going smooth in our lives that it's easy for us to let our guard down? It's easy for us to, you know, things are going good for me so I don't need to go to church this morning. Things are going good. Or I don't need to read my Bible today. I can skip one day. I don't need to study. I can skip that one day. I don't need to pray. I can skip that one day. Things are going smooth and slowly over time we start to let our guard down. We start to quit uh, fortifying our, our lives, so to speak, and we stop laying foundation and building structure into our lives and, and protecting us from the things that are, that, are, that are to come because of the things that are before us right now seem like smooth sailing. Everything seems okay. Can I just challenge you this morning that those are the times that we need to be most prepared. Those are the times that we need to be most vigilant. Enjoy the season. Enjoy at times when things are going smoothly for you. But don't let down your guard. Don't get uh, complacent. Don't get uh, in a position where, where you no longer are fortifying your life and preparing your life. One of the things that we're going to emphasize this year is personal devotions. Why? Because people in the church need to know how to combat opposition that the enemy is going to throw your direction. And the way to do that is to build strength into your personal life through devotion and to personal time with God. You need to fortify your life. Verse 14 goes on to say, but not long after. Supposing they had obtained their desire, there's smooth sailing ahead of us, but not long after a tempestuous headwind arose. Smooth sailing, seems like everything's okay, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, difficulty catches them. Difficulty starts pushing them down the road. It pushes them away from their desired uh, direction and the desired destination that they're trying to get to. Verse 15 says, when the ship was caught. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been caught in circumstances before. I've been caught off guard by situations before. And when I thought things were smelling, sailing smooth, and the next thing I know, I'm caught in a headwind that I can't get out of, and I am caught. And trouble ensues. Trouble wrapped, captures me. 
Trouble is holding on to me and trouble is pushing me wherever it chooses to go. I've been caught in those circumstances. I've been caught in that kind of environment before. I didn't create the situation. Have you ever been in a situation that you didn't create? Have you ever been in trouble that you didn't cause? Have you ever been caught uh, in a difficulty that was none of your doing? Here these sailors find themselves in that kind of situation. They're, they're sailing on good, good, good weather and all of a sudden they're caught. Verse 15 goes on to say, When the ship was caught, it could not head into the wind, so we let her drive. That term, let her drive, simply means we couldn't do anything, so we just let the wind push us where it went, where it chose to go. They are at the mercy of the storm. Have you ever been in a situation where you are simply in the mercy of the storm? Things are happening to me that are out of my control. Things are happening to me that I didn't cause. Things are surrounding me and my life is in an environment right now where things are pushing me in directions that I never intended to go, never desired to go, and never wanted anything to do with it. And I've done everything that I can to prepare for this, but yet I am still caught in a wind. I'm caught in a whirlwind. I'm caught in trouble. I'm caught in a storm. You know, listen, church, sometimes we get into difficult situations and it's of not, it's not of our causing. Trouble happens to us not because, always because of things that we've done. Now, we can certainly invite it into our lives. We can certainly invite chaos by not making right choices and create situations that are difficult for us. But sometimes you just get caught when you have done nothing to cause that to happen. And so here's my first point this morning is that storms just happen. Storms just happen. Storms are going to happen to you. Storms and difficulty are going to find you along the way. And it doesn't matter what you do to prepare for them sometimes. Sometimes you just get caught. They just happen. Sometimes they happen for no apparent reason. They blow up from out of nowhere. You can think that things are going to be smooth sailing and then all of a sudden you're getting caught by your own personal Eurocliding. No matter how much you try, you can't do anything but let it blow you where it's going to blow you. Because at that particular point, it's completely and totally out of your hands. You will, if you have not yet, find yourself in situations that are completely out of your hands. I think last year for many people in this room, you lost loved ones. You went through financial difficulty, you went through marriage difficulty, you went through challenges that that we could set up here and name over and over again. And so for many of you, you found yourselves in these headwinds, these these storms that were really of none of your causing, and they're storms that are full of wind and waves and they're crashing down on you, and, and you have no choice but to try and weather those storms. The good news for us today is that we don't rely on the captain of the ship for direction. We have the privilege of relying on the master of the sea for direction. And even though we may find ourselves in a storm that is not of our causing, if we will hold on to Jesus Christ, he has determined that we will come through any storm that we face in this life. And that's good news for you and that's good news for me. Amen? Let's continue to read here in verse 16. It says, "And running under the shelter of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail 
and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship, and on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. The actions of the crew here in this passage are a picture of really what we all do when we're confronted with a storm. I think it's interesting the, the terminology that Paul uses. Paul was a master at uh, teaching from segments of society. And here he is relaying terms that, uh, uh, nautical terms that would certainly uh, be understood in his time. And so he says that they secured the skiff. We do the same thing. Not securing the skiff, but we secure what we can secure. When we are hit with a storm and we are faced with difficulty in our lives, the very first thing we do is grab hold of the things that we can grab hold on. Try to control what we can control. Try to, try to hunker down on the things that are still within our power and under our control. And that's what these, these, these shipmen are doing as well. Don't you find it curious that they're trying to secure a skiff, which is a small boat, onto a larger boat that is completely out of control. But don't we do the same thing? When my life is completely out of control and I have no area that I'm actually in charge of and I'm just caught in a headwind that is driving me any which way it wants to go, the first thing that I will do is try to grab hold of some little detail of my life that I can control and say, I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to secure this area. I'm going to make sure that this is secured regardless of anything else. We try to hold on to control. And we know that control is really nothing but an illusion. Because there is nothing that we truly can control unless we lay it into the hands of God. It goes on to say that they undergird the ship. One of the things that mariners used to do in old times when they would find themselves in storms as they would run long cables under the hull of the ship and tighten them down to brace the, uh, the, the ship, undergird the ship and bring strength to it. They undergird the ship. You strengthen in times of chaos everything that you can strengthen. You try to start fortifying where you can fortify. You start trying to build uh, strength and build hedge of protection where, where you can build it and you try to fortify everything that you can. You undergird your life the best you can in the time of storms and difficulty. But listen, sometimes it's too late to start undergirding your situation in the midst of a storm. That's not the best place to build strength into your life. In a storm is not the best place to try to make sure everything is in order and the best things are taken care of. The best time to build strength is when you're in calm seas. When things are going right in your life. That's why, again, personal devotions are so important that we build those into our lives on a regular basis that when we face storms, we have already built in ourselves the strength and the resolve we need to drive through the very storms that we're facing. They go on to say that they struck the sail. And after I read that, I was like, how does that apply, God? I mean, how does that, that, that um, relate to how we act in a, in a storm? And as I was just praying and thinking about it, struck the sail means that they lowered the sail. Isn't it true that every one of us, when we go through storms in life, the first thing we do is begin to lower our profile? That we begin to withdraw a little bit? We try to find us a nice cave to go hide in. And we just hope that nobody will come along and ask us for anything because we're already at our max. We're already at our limit. 
defense mechanisms of the sailors are the same for us. We try to lower our profile. We start trying to hide out. We start trying to say things like, I've got enough on my plate. I don't want anyone asking for something from me right now. I can't give anything else. Do you know that sometimes the best way to get out of a storm is to help somebody else get out of one? The best way to get healing in your life oftentimes is to pray for somebody else's healing. To help someone else in time of need when, when their situation parallels yours and you can't do anything about yours, you really can't do anything about theirs, but you can be there for them and try to help them through what they're facing. So many times what we do is just the opposite. We go and hide. We try to separate ourselves from the group. We try to minimize our footprint in the world around us so that we're not a target and we're not open game for the enemy to blow his winds of dismay against us. The fifth thing that they did is lighten the ship. So many times when we find ourselves in a storm, we just get rid of any extra weight that we can get rid of. I can't fulfill that commitment anymore. I'll just shuck it. I can't do what God's asking me to do in this area. I'm just going to shuck it. I can't, I, can't, I can't be there for this person, so I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to lighten the ship. I'm going to minimize my life. And can I just say to you, sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes people get so much stuff on their plate and they make so many commitments that they can't do any of them honorably. But you can't just abandon your crew because you're in the midst of a storm. You've got to also remember your crew. You've got to remember your shipmates. You've got to remember the people that are trying to weather the storm alongside you. And not just abandon your post because things are getting difficult for you. It's not fair for you to be laid up underneath the ship in your hammock riding out the storm while everybody else is on deck trying to make it happen. Amen. And so yes, lighten your ship if you must. And in areas that you must. But there's a difference between lightening your ship and abandoning your post altogether. And you need to know the difference. Amen. The crew in this situation, had done all they could do, and now they are simply at the mercy of the weather. Let's read on verse 20. It says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. These guys have been on the water for days now. They've been getting tossed around. They've been getting beaten. They've been getting abused. They've done everything within their power to try to steady the ship and to direct it towards the course that they have in mind and still nothing is working. How much more can the crew take? Have you been there this morning? Have you been there at some point in your life where you have done all you can do to only feel as though it comes up short and day after day you keep waiting for the sun to rise and you finally come to the point where you feel that there is no hope. Pauline, at some point in your life you've been there. And you can certainly understand that the, the feelings of the crew, and it says here in verse 20 that all hope that they would be saved was finally given up. But here's what I've come to tell you today. I get it. I totally understand that. I've been in those places where I felt like, what is the point? Why, why do I even try? Why do I get up in the morning and even go and try to make things happen? It's, it's fruitless. It's, it's pointless. It's not working. 
Nothing is happening like it's supposed to. And that feeling of hopelessness and the frustration of trying to change my circumstance only to see my efforts come to no avail. I'm working hard here, God. I'm doing the best I can, God. I didn't cause this situation, God. And here I am, I've done all I can do and it's still not working. Here's the good news this morning. is my efforts are not the ones today that I'm relying on. Jesus is in control even when I am not. He has secured a pathway for me through the storms of life now and any other storms that may come my way in the future. I may have not seen the sun, S-U-N, for days, but I know the sun, S-O-N of God, and He is working it out for my good. He's got the path in mind for me. He's steering me to calmer seas. And so hold on to that truth this morning. And so here's my second point is that it's never hopeless today. It's never hopeless today. You may feel like there's no hope. You may feel like your, your efforts are to no avail. But today I'm telling you, there's still hope. As long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as long as you hold on to the one that overcome it all for you, there is hope for you today. It may feel hopeless. It may feel that you've done all you can do and it's not working, but it's never hopeless. Listen to me this morning. The feeling that we have of hopelessness and exhaustion is sometimes God's way of letting us work towards surrender. I'm going to say it again. The feelings of hopelessness and exhaustion that we sometimes feel may be God's way of letting us work towards surrender. We've been trying to call the shots too long. We've been trying to steer our ship the way we think it ought to go too long. And it's time for us to surrender into the hands of God and let Him begin to direct the ship, direct our lives, direct our future, and direct us to the place that He desires for us to go. Dan Allender says this, he says, Exhaustion is inevitable when we take on too much or fail to anticipate the unseen demands that come with every new commitment. Sometimes, church, the unseen demands that's being referred to in this quote is simply refers to the ability to stand firm in the midst of opposition that is raining down on you. Sometimes we fail to anticipate the unseen demands. We step into a new role. We step into a leadership position. We step into a new job. And we fail to anticipate the unseen demands that are required of that position. And oftentimes those unseen demands are simply opposition that the enemy is throwing your way. It's opposition to discourage you, to defeat you, to get you to move out of the place that God is trying to take you. And so before you lighten your ship and throw in the towel... Take a moment and say, God, is this where you want me to be or is it not where you want me to be? Is this where you have called me or is this not where you have called me? Because if God has called you, He will qualify you. He will equip you and He will help you to get through the difficulties that are before you. In the storm, it's easy for us. Listen to me. In the storm, it is easy for us to lose sight of our callings and more importantly, of the one who calls. In the storm it is easy for us to lose sight of our callings and more importantly of the one who calls. I am overcome. I am overwhelmed. I am, I am stirred to my very being and I lose sight of my calling 
and I lose sight of, more importantly, the one who has called me, Jesus Christ. Verse 20, all hope that we would be saved is finally given up. My plans have failed. My attempts to secure, undergird, minimize my footprint, and lighten my ship have been to no avail. All is lost. But at the point of despair, at the point of despair, my desperation seeks for any sign of hope. And it is moments of desperation that we are most tuned into the subtleties of God's movements in our situation. It is deepness, it is depth that is birthed in our souls in those moments. Can I just say to you that the storm is your friend today? He don't feel like a friend. He feels like an like a enemy that's bent on killing me. But the storm is working in you deeper things today. It is teaching you deeper ways today. It may end your current life, but it is only to birth in you a much deeper one. The ship may go down, but God's resurrection power says that there will be life that continues beyond this particular one that I know today. I'm preaching better than you're listening this morning. Dan Allender goes on to say this, and it's a long quote, but it's a good quote. Dreams must die if a deep soul is to be born. Idealism may get us into the fray, but it is the loss of all we cherish that begins to form in us a heart capable of leading others. Disillusionment is not the end of dreaming. It is merely the end of our current reason for getting out of bed and fixing coffee. Delusionment takes us to the question, what shall it profit a man if he gains the world and loses himself? Disillusionment exposes that while we were supposedly serving the kingdom, we somehow became the king. And when we thought we were following Jesus, we inexplicably made him a servant of our dreams. The only real tragedy is the leader who never allows disillusionment to wear him to a nub and expose the godlessness, the godlessness of his busyness. Disillusionment births through hope in the same way that death is the context for the resurrection. If our dreams don't die, then God's dreams won't be birthed. If our dreams don't die, then God's dreams won't be birthed. So when I speak to you about surrender, this morning I'm speaking to you about letting go of all your dreams and embracing God's dreams for your life because He knows the desires of your heart. And He knows how to get you to them better than you can. Disillusioned and desperate people are powerful people because they have nothing left to prove. They have known both failure and success. Failure has taught them not to fear the contempt of others while success has taught them not to trust the applause of others. When contempt and applause no longer move your heart to hide or to strive, then you are ready to ask the question, what will please you, God? When I'm no longer moved by others' opinions of my life and how I operate my life, then I am able to correctly answer the question and ask the question, what will please you, God? Yes, all of us in this place have weathered some storms but we are better for it. I said you're better for it. 
what the enemy meant to use to destroy you, God is trying to use to make you stronger, to make you deeper, to make you larger, and to make you much more capable. As I close this morning, I'm going to take you through one more passage just because it applies to us in our journey here. And that is verse 21. It says, but, long, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, then you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. I read this just for the simple fact that Paul understands how to get through a storm. Paul has a relationship with God that is ongoing. It's not, it's not circumstantial. It's not situational. It's one that is steady and stable and is ongoing. And Paul understands that immediately when they get into a bind, the first thing he needs to do is start fasting and start seeking God. And it says here in the verse, but after long absence for food, Paul stood and he begins to declare to them what the Lord, word of the Lord is over them for the situation. We are beginning a fast next week. And I'm just encouraging all of you to get involved in that at some level. Pastor, I've never fasted before. Anybody can fast something. Fast something. And give it up for 21 days. And commit that time to God. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to seek the Lord. I'm asking you to hear from God because we need people that can stand up in the midst of a group of individuals and say this is what the Lord says about where we are in this moment. Your shipmates are counting on you. Your crew is counting on you. This church, one of the things that is a slogan almost is that it's not about you. It's about everybody around you. It's not about me. It's about everybody else around me. We're putting others before ourselves. And when we do that, we will weather the storm well because we will weather the storm together. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burt Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Till I found myself